What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner, and today is a very special episode because I wanted to play my interview on the Help Me Understand podcast. So I jumped on my good friend J.K. McLeod's podcast, which is shameless plug. You should go subscribe. It's called the Help Me Understand podcast. We talked about coaches needing coaches, which is such an important topic. I know there are a lot of coaches that listen to this podcast, so I thought it was worth sharing my interview on JK's podcast. So this is the episode that I recorded with him on the Help Me Understand podcast and enjoy the episode. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. I am here with my good friend, Mike Milner today, and we are going to get into uh, the topic. Well, one of the topics with the way that we talk, one of the topics we'll get into is the topic of why do coaches have coaches? Uh, But first, before jumping into that, first of all, Mike, welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think the last, yeah, by the time that this airs, the last episode I would have put out would have had my first repeat guest who was Maggie. And we were talking about, uh, the processes of the process of schools reopening and, uh, in typical me fashion, now I've got a completely different topic that I want to discuss, uh, and who better than to have back on, uh, than, uh, my good friend and also one of the more respected coaches in the, uh, nutrition game but Mike. So before we just go ahead and jump on into that topic, uh, if you could just take a minute and just kind of share a little bit with the listeners on who you are and how you got into coaching and what you're all about right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been a coach for the better part of a decade, closing in on a decade. So um, actually, if you wanted to go back even further, I did coach tennis when I was younger. Uh, I played competitively and that was like my first uh, entry into coaching way back when. But um, yeah, I I started out as a personal trainer, uh, then found my passion in nutrition, started nutrition coaching uh, for another company and then went off on my own and have had my my business, which is Peak Optimization Performance. Um, and what I feel like we do really well is uh, zeroing in on the individual, which um, in the nutrition coaching space, there's a lot of, um, we'll call it cookie cutter approaches out there or um, trying to figure out how to uh, solve a, a problem of you know the the one diet that everyone should be adhering to, and unfortunately that breaks down on an individual level. And I feel like what we've been able to do is bridge that gap in helping people understand their own individual needs and how to create consistency for themselves. All right. Uh, well, one, I appreciate again appreciate you taking the time to be here. Uh, and two, I I always learn something new. I did not know that you coached tennis back in the day. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was. Uh, Teaching kids who were in from, I guess it was from like fourth grade up through high school was the age range. So it definitely uh, some days it was more competitive and me jumping in and you know <laughs> being able to hit with them. And other days it was it was very basic. So um, it was a lot of fun though. I, I love that I did it for probably like five summers. Um, I would teach at this camp and and get kids ready for the season uh, before the school year started. So it was uh, it was a good time. Man. Okay. Yeah. Five summers. I'd say that's definitely a commitment for sure. Now, do you still get the the tennis itch every now and then? 
Yeah, I, I definitely do. My my dad, who is now 71, still plays. And I started getting back into it. We were we would play and um, this was pre-COVID. Uh, once we, you know, COVID hit and we've been stuck indoors more, uh, more frequently. Now um, he got back out there and started playing again. And I haven't uh, since then, but the, the itch happens pretty frequently. Yeah. And I know you've got a, a tiny competitive streak, so I can, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you haven't fired up like the PS4 or the Xbox or something to hit some, uh, Hit some tennis on there. All right. Well, uh, as I mentioned at the onset of this episode, the overall topic that I wanted to bring you on to get some perspective on was really this topic around coaches who have coaches. So from a context standpoint, in many of the conversations that I'll have, and I think this probably comes up in conversations that you have, and then um, obviously with my involvement with your company, we are often in the same kind of social media space. And one of the things that I will find very interesting is that either when you or me or one of the other pop coaches uh, happens to mention something that they discussed with their coach or direction that their coach gave them, inevitably, uh, some people seem to be kind of surprised that uh, we, you, I, whoever it may be, but that uh, coaches would have someone else who they get coaching direction from. And even specifically, say someone who is a nutrition coach, hiring a nutrition coach for themselves. So that's what I wanted to really chop it up about. But before going really in depth on that, uh, one of the catalysts for this conversation was also the fact that you just recently went through uh, a pretty, pretty intense cut to get ready for a photo shoot. And so let's bring some context into this. You want to talk a little bit about um, what you what you were cutting for the organization. We'll give them a little little bit of pub uh, and what that experience was like just going through uh, a cut recently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, the whole situation actually started because my my girlfriend uh, decided to enter me into this <laughs> like calendar contest, and it was for a good cause. We are big animal lovers. Uh, we have two dogs and uh, they're both rescues. So there was this uh, calendar photo shoot that uh, you just put in a submission and see what happens and hope you get picked. And she entered me in and I guess sent some pictures and stuff to the organization. Um, it's called Philadoptables. We're uh, outside of Philadelphia and they're a Philadelphia-based nonprofit. And they raise money to support rescue animals. And I happened to get picked and this was about six weeks uh, before the photo shoot. So they gave me a call. They said, Oh, hey, you know, your girlfriend, Melanie, she entered you into this calendar contest and we'd love to have you as part of it. And this is when we shoot. It's going to be, you know, July 26th. And um, I was like, Okay, well, it's time to get ready. So um, prior to that, I had been in a pretty uh, long term commitment with building muscle and trying to put on size <laughs> an entanglement, and, uh, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I had been you know kind of hanging out at a at a you know body weight that was the highest I've been in a long time and um, purposefully so I, I added some some new muscle which I was happy with and was feeling good and all of a sudden it was time to switch gears and go through a cut and so about six weeks out um, I I contacted my coach and told him hey you know change of plans this is what we're doing um, because I you know I did want to. I looked at it not just like I wanted to look my best for the for the calendar, which obviously I did, but uh, more so 
I always look at these challenges as an opportunity to push myself and see what I'm capable of. Um, I talk a lot about you know embracing the process of things and not being so focused on the end result. And I really tried to look at it as, all right, this is a, this is a process where I know every time I do a challenge like this, every time I set a goal and I have something in mind, um, there's always some important takeaway or lesson that I derive from the actual pursuit of that of that goal. And it's not so much the end result, but really it's the the daily actions. It's you know what did I learn about. Um, scheduling or being intentional or, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of lessons from this one that I just went through, but um, it got, it got pretty intense. It got to the point where, uh, you know, I was feeling um, hungry all the time, no energy, uh, brain fog, like crazy, definitely not as sharp as normal. My mood was all over the place. Um, You can talk to my girlfriend about what it was like to live with me through, (laughs) through those six weeks. Uh, Not the most pleasant experience for her, but yeah, but there was, uh, you know, the, the process to kind of bring it back around to, to the concept of of having a coach. Uh, it, I, I couldn't think of doing that on my own. Um, it's just something that became so much easier, um, because of the fact that I had somebody else that I was accountable to. And also keep in mind when you go through, you know, challenges like that, you're, you're draining mental resources energy, time, um, you know, stress. And I always look at it as the two most valuable resources to me personally are my time and my energy. So if I can offload some of that onto somebody else and say, Hey, you just, you get to kind of call the shots here. And, um, now I don't have to think about, all right, well, what's the plan today? What am I eating? What am I doing for my, you know, how many steps am I targeting? What's my water goal? All of a sudden it's just, Here's the game plan, you know, given to me by my coach, and then I get to just go and execute. So it saves me both time and mental energy, which is, you know, a win-win for going through that process. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, that gave me a man. They get a whole bunch to work with, but I'm going to do my best to try and stay as focused as possible here, which can be a little difficult for me. Uh, so one of the things that first comes to mind is you. If I heard you correctly, you didn't say, hey, looks like I'm going to be doing this cut. Let me go find a coach. You had a coach in place previously, right? Yep, exactly. So he had helped me through the process of, of building muscle. And again, you know, looking at it from, like, I'm a, I'm a nu- nutrition coach. I do this for a living, but I still struggle with a lot of the same mindset challenges that, that my clients do. So for me to get past like a mental barrier of, I'm going to be hanging out at a body weight that's above where I'm normally comfortable. I'm going to, you know, intentionally push past a certain limit that I felt was in place. Like I wanted to keep my body weight under 185. Well, going through this cut or going through this building phase over um, longer than a year, I ended up hanging around 194, 195. So well above where I was previously comfortable. Uh, It was, you know, having somebody to make sure that things were in check to, you know, because when, when it comes to ourselves, we're, we're so subjective. So I can look at myself in the mirror and I can say, oh, I, the scale was 190. So that must mean that my pictures indicate I gained body fat. And then I send it to my coach and he's like, no, dude, you, you're building muscle. You're, everything looks good. We can see the difference here. It's just, um, I always use the quote, it's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. Um, you know, there's, there's many different versions of that. It's hard to see the picture when you're inside the frame, um, whatever, you know, metaphor works for you. But uh, for me, that holds true because I'm, I'm very biased when it comes to myself. 
So having somebody to walk me through that process and just keep my mental game in check was important. Um, so when it was time to shift gears, I already had the coach in place and now it's just, all right, let's, let's adjust the training. Let's adjust, adjust the diet. Let's, you know, go through um, some of the important, you know, check marks that we need as far as getting the basics under control. And um, I know you're a big believer in the basics and that was really what I hung my hat on. And, you know, we do those, those daily intentions calls, which you're a part of every day in our, in our community. And, and you can ask the people on that call every single morning for me going through that cut, it was, I'm back to the basics every single day. It's, you know, getting my water in, getting my steps in, getting my workout in, hitting my nutrition every day, like clockwork. And that, and that was really what, what carried me through. And that's perfect. So, uh, I can definitely... I can't relate to the cut part just because I, I think I've gone through a cut once in my once in my life because you know I'm all, I'm all about that like bulking for life if humanly possible. But um, when it comes to just really valuing uh, what you talked about with your time and your energy, I really agree with you on that. With those two things being potentially your most valuable resources. And I think that anytime you can put yourself in a position to put those things in the hands of someone that you trust, it only can benefit not only you, but also the people that you care about around you in a better position. Uh, especially, you know, you, did, you didn't mention you were relocating too at the same time that you're doing that. Uh, you're also working and you're own, owning a growing business. So there's a lot of different things that demand your time, demand your energy. So I think, uh, again, going back to that, that's definitely one of those savable quotes uh, around just really focusing on understanding your two most valuable assets and how do you protect those particular things. I think that's really key. So with that yeah, being, before you, oh, yeah. before, I'm sorry, I just wanted to yeah, go for just, it because that brings up a, a super important point, which is oftentimes when people think about a coach, they think about the cost versus thinking about what it's saving them. So I don't look at my coach as costing me this monthly fee every month. I look at it as this coach is saving me the time, the energy, and where else does that show up? It shows up in so many different places. So um, it shows up in my relationship. It shows up in my business. It shows up in my friendships and you know how I show up for my family. It's, it's all of these different areas, which you can't really put a price on that. So I don't look at it as there's this expense that's coming out every month. I look at it, what's saving me? every month by being able to offload some of that and free up my time and free up my energy. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of reframing um, the way that we look at those things when we're investing in ourselves. Uh, some, we're, we're, we're like taught to think in terms of dollars, but if you really think about what is this saving you on the back end, where else is this showing up? Uh, and then think about it from the flip side of that. If I'm not doing that, if, I'm, if I don't have a coach where is this costing me? Uh, maybe it's through you know more frustration, or it's going to take longer, or um, I'm going to be irritable because I'm trying to figure all of this out on my own, and now I'm taking this out on my partner, or my family, or whatever the case may be. There's there's other costs outside of just the dollars that that we don't often think about. So I just wanted to make that point real quick. Well, I'm glad you did because I think that that is uh, something that I see as one of the the first questions that gets asked is how much does this cost or how much do you pay your coach? And I think that you brought it up, the word, the reframe. If you reframe with what is the investment, what is the return on that investment? 
because that's truly what you're doing. And I can, I can certainly say uh, in the areas that I've uh, taken the time to actually do the research and find a great coach, it's paid me back more than I've ever paid the other person. Like hands down, I've seen it show up better. Uh, so that actually brings me to what my next question would be. So uh, what are some of the things that you specifically looked for when you've hired coaches for yourself in the past? And I'm not talking just nutrition wise, you know, we're talking, uh, could be nutrition, could be business, could be anything. What are some of the key things that you're looking for when you're, you're bringing a coach onto your team to coach you? Yeah. So one of the most important things for me is the person I, I look at, do I, resonate with this person not so much as like the the content that they're putting out that's important to me yes i, I want to make sure that the stuff that they're saying makes sense that they're not like you know trying to push a an agenda that i don't believe with you know if i had saw a nutrition coach that was uh, you know, only talking about keto i probably wouldn't hire them just because we're misaligned in that you know that regard but so it's not so much about the content for me, but it's more about the person. Um, just, it's, it's sometimes difficult through social media and when you're reading somebody, but I like to try to get a feel for, for the individual. Is this some, somebody that I can like relate to? Um, do they seem you know, like, a, like a pretty humble, down-to-earth person that I could envision myself just having a conversation with? And um, so there's, there's a lot of that. It's just like the, the relatability factor. For me, that's important. Uh, for some people, they look more at, you know, is this person an authority? Do they know what they're talking about? Uh, do they have sound you know, data and evidence to support their claims. And for me, that's not as important as really the human being. Um, you know, when I've hired nutrition coaches for myself, um, it's always been, you know, people that I could see myself just, you know, hanging out with and having a conversation and that I could relate to some of the stuff that they went through. Uh, I, I also like to, you know, when I hired a, a business coach and, um, Who's still my business coach now, and I've I've had a couple, but somebody that has stuck with me through the entire process is Jason Phillips. And one of the the main reasons that I uh, gravitate gravitated towards him was his story. Uh, I could see myself in his story. So um, part of that is is again the the relatability. You know, he talked about um, you know having like these these moral disagreements with with a lot of the diet industry and um, going through this process of, of doing things his way because the quote unquote like way to do things just didn't feel right to him and that was something that really resonated with me as somebody who went down that path and was like you know what there is so much um, damage in the diet industry and, and being a person that wants to like flip that on its head and disrupt that industry I'm like this is a, a person who did that. He, he went against the grain. Um, he was like one of the first people that openly spoke up about uh, CrossFit and paleo being a bad match. <laughs> and while everybody was you know, pushing the same agenda, he was like, hey, CrossFit athletes need carbs. They need you know, paleo and low carb. It, it doesn't make sense. And uh, went against the grain. And that was, that was when I was like, all right, well, this is a guy who did that. Um, and his story was so relatable. And I reached out and you know, he's, he's been my business coach ever since. So, and then when I'm looking at uh, people that I bring on to my team as coaches, uh, you know, our, our most recent hire was, was Danny. And it was honestly her story because she's so like, again, going back to the relatability, she's somebody that has been through 
all the pain and anguish of failed diets, of you know, disordered eating, of body image issues, and has come out the other side a stronger individual. And now um, I know that that story, regardless, you know, the the science and all of that, we can teach that. That's easy. Um, the challenging part is to allow other people to see themselves in your story, and that's really you know, as a coach, it's so important. We need to be relatable. I don't, I think there's oftentimes coaches feel the need to like put themselves up on a pedestal. Like they need to be the perfect, um, you know, model of what nutrition looks like. And I'll be the first to admit, like my nutrition is far from perfect. My training is far from perfect. I have a lot of work to do myself. Um, I don't want to be perfect because that doesn't exist. So if I'm trying to uphold a standard that I would never expect my clients to uphold, then then it's hypocritical. There's a disconnect there. So I look for people that are that are real, that are relatable, that are authentic, and I know that that's going to come through. Um, I would rather for the average person be like, you know what, this is a coach that that gets it because they've been through it and they've improved over time, and they're not perfect. They still struggle with some of the stuff that I struggle with, and that makes them uh, more more able to connect and kind of carry that that client along their journey. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as far as uh, your your point of view on the relatability being such a big factor. Because as someone you know who's been with you for a while now and kind of seen it from the inside out, uh, I can definitely say that that's something that rings true. And uh, I think that the word you know, I know Brene Brown is real big on this, but the vulnerability piece too, I think, is huge. And uh, I think. That that's part of why sometimes I I'm somewhat still surprised that people think coaches don't have coaches or really when you strip it away and I reached out to a couple of people that I know just to ask them uh, about this particular topic because it's a pretty regular reaction that we'll get and one of the things that was shared with me was just well yeah maybe you know, maybe some people are just surprised just because they kind of feel like, well, if you know your stuff, then there's no point, you know, spending money on having somebody else tell you what you already know. And to me, that was more of a, man, we've got to continue to do more work around people understanding what true, true coaching is all about. Because if it was just about the book knowledge, then, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's a shortage of certifications that are out there in the industry right now. You can you can go to school for what you need to. You can read a book. You can spend a few hours on YouTube, and you'll get at least some basic knowledge. Now, whether it's correct or not, whole different ballgame. But you'll get some knowledge. But the knowledge is just one piece of it. And I think that many people, after they've spent time with their coach, come to realize that the most successful relationships have come through, again, that relationship building, the connection, the person who's kind of with you through the ebbs and flows and has gotten to understand your personality and kind of what, you know, what the real deal is versus what you thought it was and things like that. So again, going back to that relatability factor, I think is is so huge. So for coaches that might be listening to this, you know, if you're apprehensive about Um, being vulnerable with your clients or, man, my client's going to, I can't ever make a mistake in front of a client or whatever it may be. Eh, You might, you might do yourself uh, a favor by just kind of keeping it real with them for sure. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I also think that when you just look at it practically, there's always going to be individuals who have accomplished and been through 
what you're trying to accomplish or what you're currently going through. And I always, it's, it's like a time collapse. That's the way that I interpret it. So if I look at, all right, this person, they've been there. They already did that. Um, even though at their level, there's going to be someone above them where they're trying to aspire to that next level. So it keeps going. You start realizing as you hire coaches and as you start um, realizing like I hired a sales coach because sales is something that does not come natural to me and I wanted to improve. So I um, hired a coach who has done, he owns like five gym locations and has done like eight figures in sales over the course of his career and has trained some of the top salespeople in, in, in specifically the, the gym industry. And when I'm talking to him, he's always like, yeah, my coach taught, and here's like a eight figure sales, you know, guru who eats, sleeps and breathes this. And he's talking about his coach. And then when I start researching his coach, then He's like under the Tony Robbins umbrella. And like you just realize that it keeps going, that even no matter how high up you get, coaches still need coaches. You know, we were talking about this before we hit record that Michael Jordan had a coach, like Kobe Bryant had a coach, like the the greatest athletes. uh, It would be crazy to think that they would do it on their own. Um, But for some reason, there's, there's a disconnect when we think about it in terms of like our own health and fitness and fitness professionals having coaches. Um, yeah, we could do it on our own. But like I said, it's, it's thinking about it in terms of a, a time collapse, you know, and, and offloading some of the, some of the time and energy and, and getting that back. And then when you think about the value, uh, the learning process, getting to hear, you know, somebody else's perspective, who's already been through that. And, um, you know, we could list the, we could list the benefits until we're blue in the face, but it really, uh, for me, it comes down to the simple fact that if I can condense time, and if I can offload some of that that mental energy, uh, that's I'll take that anytime. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan because one of the one of the links I see between those two, you know, for anybody who hasn't watched The Last Dance, shameless plug that I get zero dollars off of. Make sure you go back and watch The Last Dance. It's on Netflix now. Uh, but in The Last Dance. And also, when you go back and look over uh, any of the material that's out about Kobe Bryant, like if you've ever read Mamba Mentality, uh, I highly recommend that book too. Uh, but the common theme for those both of those guys is that they were insane levels of talent, insane levels of work ethic. But Phil Jackson was the common theme between those two. And not just Phil Jackson, but it was a coach who was able to help guide them and help them kind of take a bird's eye view because they both seemed so similar, right? Like great individual talents and really could if they wanted to carry a team on their back, but that team was always hitting a ceiling and hitting a plateau. And not until they fully gave, like gave the reins over to a coach, a coach who didn't ask them to be less than what they were, but I want you to be more of what you are, but let's operate within this system and you'll actually grow even more. And now we're talking about, I don't think anybody would argue that those are two of the best, the best athletes that ever walked the face of the earth at this point. So I think that's just, um, that just goes to show you no matter what level you're at, a coach needs a coach. So let me, let me ask you this, as you've been in this industry now for the better part of a decade, have you seen uh, how you evaluate or how you um, look at uh, hiring a coach progress as you've gone? I know you talked about the relatability factor. However, clearly there's been growth on your part 
from, you know, just the person who went to the gym to then the personal trainer to then coaching others to then now owning an organization where you're now hiring other coaches. So how do you feel like your individual progression has, uh, or if it, or has it altered your filter as you look at how you um, assess your coaches? Yeah, it's a great question. It's definitely evolved over time. Um, It's because the more that I've learned about myself, the more awareness I have around what works well for me. So I can start to be even more selective. You know, when I was first hiring a coach, I didn't know different coaching styles. I didn't know about, you know, different, you know, what exactly my personality type was. So, uh, you know, in the beginning of my coaching, of being coached, um, I'm a, you know, people pleaser. So I would just report back whatever I thought my coach wanted to hear. And to have a coach that doesn't really pry or doesn't really, you know, get me to open up, um, it's not going to work well because I'm just going to keep it surface level. Yep. Doing great. Thanks for the check-in. Like, see you next week type of thing. And I'm just going to, because I don't want to disappoint anybody. It's just part of my personality. But as I became more self-aware, knowing um, the level of communication that that I would need, um, the type of personality or the type of person that would be best suited to pull that out of me, uh, it just you just become more, more aware of your own style. Um, and then, you know, that doesn't guarantee anything. There's been times where I thought uh, I was hiring a coach that would be the right fit and it, and it just wasn't. And for whatever reason, um, either there, you know, I've worked with a lot of coaches who were very, very technical, like almost by the book. And I like to go off script sometimes. So it was like, I, I learned that through the process. I didn't get that vibe originally. And then, you know, they're like, you know, this is, you know, we're going super tactical here and you know I would try it out and and see how it feels because I'm always I'm always about you know experimentation and that's that's the best lesson. I don't ever look at anybody that I've hired or worked with as a mistake. I look at it as I learned something valuable through that process and it helped me redefine and kind of uh you know establish what works best for me. And like I said, every single process that I've gone through, it's just been adding like another tool to the tool belt. And um, I learned something from from every single coach and been able to add that to my own arsenal. And that's really uh, when I look at the the best asset that I feel like I've been able to acquire, it's being able to apply the right tool for the right job and having a well-versed you know, toolkit, so to speak, so that I can handle any situation that comes up. But I think that going through that process myself, it's, it's allowed me to realize what I respond best to, the type of communication that I require, um, and then really learn from, from those other coaches and see if I can pull anything and then you know, pay that forward. Yeah, I definitely appreciate your feedback on that because, uh, as you know, I've worked with uh, my current coach for about a year now, getting ready to kind of transition. But uh, I remember having that initial conversation with my coach just around, hey, here's what I know about myself. And the only thing that I want you to just take into account is that uh, these are so far what I've learned about my idiosyncrasies. you know, I'm big into the neurotyping work as you're probably one of the leaders in the industry on that. So I explained to them uh, what what I'm pretty solid on as far as neurotyping with this is what I understand my personality to be. This is what I understand. Uh, we went through the whole 1B thing and I'm like, listen, this is just how it's how I'm kind of wired. So here's what I just need you to help me try to understand as we go through the process. 
Um, and I definitely, you didn't necessarily come out and say this, but what I pulled from that is there's definitely an importance on making sure that you communicate to your coach who you are or who you think you are, at least at that point in time, uh, being open and honest around what's worked for you in the past and what hasn't worked for you in the past. You know, like you mentioned that kind of rigid, or, or I say rigid, more technical approach um, and understanding that maybe you have a personality type that does well with that. And then maybe you've got a personality type that, hey, for about two to three weeks, like I'm pretty good at sticking to, it's got to be down to the gram. But every now and then I like, we, I need you to treat me like I'm a 12 year old at a birthday party. Like you got to let me run free <laughs> or else like I got to tend to go off the rails. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that uh, a, a perfect example of that was I had a client reach out. Um, this was October of 2018 and she was messaging me and talking about every program that she's ever tried uh, has felt not personalized enough. And she was very aware. She's like, look, I know that a lot of coaches are trying to service hundreds of people and I get it. They they have to try to make shortcuts and it's, it's hard to give everyone the personal attention that they need. She's like, I just want to be upfront before I commit to anything that I, I know that I need a certain level of individualization. And if you can't provide that, no worries. But you know, I wanted to point that out before I commit to anything. She was very skeptical. She's actually one of our best success stories and she's still working with Trish. And I, I reference her all the time because of the fact that um, she had that level of, of self-awareness and also skepticism of, can this process really be personalized? And I relate to that because when I was looking you know, into other business coaches, I would say the same thing. A lot of programs out there, which I learned through experience, through trying different things, uh, they say that it's personalized. And then when you ask a question, it's like, oh, here's a, a course that we did on that. Just watch that and you're good. Or, you know, here's here's a video that you can check out and there's not real coaching involved. And I so now I, I go into it. If I'm ever looking, um, you know, for for some sort of specific business coaching, I will say, I do not do well with just sending me to a course. If that's your style, no worries. Like I talked about my the sales coach and I, I remember having this conversation before I hired him and I was like, I want to get better at sales. I think you're the right person. But if you're just going to send me to, to training videos, if you're just going to send me to a course that you're sending to thousands of people, this will not be the right fit. Um, and you know, we, we do one-on-one -on -one calls, which is how I operate because I know that you know where I you know, there may be things in a course that apply, but there's also a high level of individual variance where I might be getting held up or I might be communicating in a way that I think I'm getting my point across, but then when somebody else hears it, they're like, "No, that didn't make any sense. Let's try to reword that or present it in a different way." So I wanted something that was more hands-on, and um, so I think just going back to the original point of self-awareness about what you know about yourself or what you think you know about yourself at the time. And then as you gain new experience, you just continue to learn more and, and become uh, more specific or intentional about uh, who would be the right fit. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great example. And I, I know uh, I've seen the results from exactly the person that you're talking about. And that's, that's a real example for those people that are listening. Like I know that to be true. So uh, I love that point though, just really around uh, as a client, stating, hey, here's here's what I know I've done in the past. It doesn't mean that you're coming into it pessimistic or anything like that. But I think the more that you can give a coach to let them know, hey, here's what I'm walking into this with. So, you know, had you not mentioned to that person, 
if you send me a link, I'm just going to be honest, been there. And maybe I'll click the link and I'll look at the training course, but it's just going to stir up those feelings of everything was kind of a canned response before. And man, are we going down this whole road again? Um, and that's something that I truly, uh, I'm truly a believer in, especially, you know, you're more in the nutrition space. I'm more in the training space. And even with something like the muscle feed that is kind of a group training piece. However, we have workouts that are geared towards individuals' personalities and their neurotypes. There's still that support around when you have a question, like when any, whenever anybody has a question, one of the first things I'll ask them is just, what is your neurotype? Just at least I have a foundation to work with. And then what I'm even finding is as I get to know the people, then, you know, we were just having a Q&A session the other night and I'm answering a question and remember a few details about that individual's lifestyle. It's like, hold on, let me, let me kind of tweak this a little bit because I know that you actually have this specific thing that goes on. Let's take that into account. So I think back to something you brought up way earlier, the individualization piece is so important and it's so crucial. It doesn't mean that there aren't basic foundations that many people can work from, but it's just like anything, getting from point A to B is not exactly the same for every person. Some people need to be in a left lane, some people the right lane, you know, it just kind of depends. So yeah, there's a, uh, there's a quote that I'm probably going to butcher, but it, it hits on uh, exactly what you're talking about. And I believe that it is um, methods are many, principles are few, methods will change, principles never do. Um, so people might have their own way of going about, you know, accomplishing something. Um, an example might be that, uh, you know, progressive overload is a principle. Uh, the method for accomplishing that principle, you could take in so many different directions. How are we going to progressively overload our muscles? We can do it in so many different ways. So that's where the methods are, are many and can change. That principle is kind of tried and true. Uh, there's, there's not really bending uh, the laws of like thermodynamics, for example, when it comes to body composition. Um, and, and so uh, I think that ultimately, uh, when you look at, at the how, this, how does that relate to coaching, I look at it as, well, if an individual comes to me and they're like, I know that I want this body transformation, but I just want you to send me a, a meal plan, tell me what to eat and send me on my way. That's not going to fly because that doesn't fit uh, the methods that I like to use to accomplish that principle. Uh, so that's just a personal philosophy of, I don't believe in, I, I believe in teaching people to fish and, and having them learn their own individual needs because I want this to last for life. I don't believe that a meal plan or a template is going to teach you anything other than you knew how to follow a meal plan for eight weeks or whatever the case may be. Um, that's not to say that, you know, that, that couldn't work for somebody and that, you know, if there's another coach out there that, that believes in that, it's, it's possible that that would be the method for them. But um, I think it becomes, you know, when you start to realize the things that you value, the things that work well for you, some of those uh, philosophies that you have, it allows you to then align that with, uh, with the coach that you're choosing to work with. Yeah, that, that really speaks to something that uh, we just had. You brought up the daily intentions calls and something that we just had as a topic really just around developing that relationship so that you can have communication around things like biofeedback and what's just going on on a weekly basis because you can't always rely on the numbers. We were actually using what's currently going on with Garmin with everything going down with their tracking and just the amount of, I'm not even over-exaggerating the word outrage uh, that people are having just because they 
you know, they're like, I can't get to my data. And, you know, a bunch of people were like, well, there's no reason to run now because I can't track it and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so we just got into this conversation around people that were saying, man, thank goodness. Like I'm working with a coach that forces me to like, let's have some conversation around more than just you hit this number on the scale. You lifted this much weight. You got exactly this many hours of sleep. Like, okay, I get it. I got your check-in and it says you did all these things, but how are you actually feeling? Like, how's your mindset? Like what, what brought you some joy this week? What's got you bummed out? And it's not because they're trying to, you know, classic, like woo woo. It's more just around, Hey, we're trying to help you learn your body and help you learn what works for you. Because at the end of the day, your, your tracker may go down. My fitness bell may go down. You never know. And you got to be able to develop those habits so that you can, I know you're big on this. You can have people graduate and then they, they end up, you know, they end up being wildly successful. And it's not because they were able to hit their macros every single day. It's because they were able to, with the support of a coach, learn and get an understanding for what truly worked for them. And they now have their, you know, their forever plan, like they're sustainable and they're good to go. So I think that's really important. Hundred percent, and and we also have research to back that up. When we look at um, behavior change in in psychology literature, uh, looking at things like data and progress, numerical progress will motivate people to continue with that behavior. However, it's very unreliable. So if I have somebody who's using the scale as the data point that that you know is driving that behavior change. As long as the scale is moving down, then they're all in, they're motivated. But the minute that that data point gets stuck, um, we, we see this in the, in the literature over and over again. It's, it's very unreliable. So once that, that roadblock hits, it's easy to say, well, this, this data point that I was relying on is not moving in the direction I want, so why even bother? Um, and then on the flip side of that, the intrinsic motivation is very strong and reliable in, in any sort of uh, challenging setting. So if I am making decisions based off of how they make me feel internally, going back to that biofeedback, well, you know, noticing that when I eat a certain way, I have more energy and I sleep better and I'm, my mood is better and um, all these positive internal feedback markers, and I'm making those choices because of how they make me feel, that's much more reliable than using an external validator. Um, and that's, that's something when we look at you know, the, the literature on behavior change that shows up over and over again. People who can attach to a strong intrinsic motivation uh, are much more likely to succeed than those who continue to try to rely on external motivators. Big time. Well, well stated as always. And I was waiting for at some point you were going to bring in a scientific reference because I know you and I know you always have the facts to back it up. I can't help myself. Always, always have the facts. Uh, all right. So last question. And usually when I say last question, that means there's probably two or three more that pop up, but last intended question is, uh, from a context standpoint, I'm going to bring in some parenting stuff here. Uh, one of the things that I've learned as a parent is there's only, you know, there's only so much that I can control. And uh, especially as my kids have gone further in athletics, I've got a son who's heavily into baseball right now. My daughter really uh, is really passionate about cheerleading and things like that. And as someone who did not grow up as a, a what you would describe an athlete in any way, shape or form, uh, I have tried to figure out ways to navigate how do you try to keep a, a good relationship with the coaches or the 
the referees, the umpires, whatever it may be. Um, so I'm not the, the, I'm not the guy yelling on the sideline, like, you know, that, that was a foul or, you know, put my kid into play, that sort of thing. One of the things that I have learned is that I get really amped if I get feedback that it sounds like one of my kids is really coachable. So they take direction well. Um, you can count on them to, you know, yeah, they might be goofing off a little bit, but you can count on them to, for the most part, they're, they're somebody a coach can count on. So they're very, again, just that word coachable. So coachability. So that's where I'm going to bring it into this conversation with, especially with being a coach, right? So there's, you got a ton of knowledge. Like there's, there's a very good chance that, especially as long as you've been in the game, it's a very good chance that uh, most of the coaches that you're in, interacting with don't have a differing level of book knowledge than you have. So how do you try to hold yourself responsible for remaining coachable with the amount of knowledge that you do have? Yeah, so I think there's really two things that come to mind immediately. And, and one is having a growth mindset. So feeling like there's, I'm never going to know. I think the more that you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. <laughs> and so every single time that I you know, continue to educate myself or take another course or do another certification, it opens up this, this whole world of knowledge that is like well beyond what I can conceive, you know, especially when you get into some of the stuff like, uh, you know, psychology literature, behavior change and mindset and, and then taking it to more you know, technical things like, you know, getting into some of the neuroscience and personality types and um, even personality psychology, which is something that I'm heavily into right now. It just keeps opening up doors of, man, I don't know, at, you know, anything. It's like this, this awakening. Uh, so the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know, which gives me this thirst to keep learning. So I, it's that growth mindset. It's that I'm going to continue to acquire more knowledge and there's always going to be something that I can learn. Uh, I think that that's you know, one of the first things to being coachable uh, is, is, being, is being humble enough to realize that you still have a long way to go, that you still have more to learn, that we are always going to be a work in progress, that there's never going to be a finished product. And I think that that mindset, that, that growth mindset of, yes, we can continue to get better, we can continue to evolve, but we're never going to be done. Um, so it's this, this forever pursuit of, of just continuing to, to become better each day. And that, that helps. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if I have a, a brand new coach. I don't ever look at myself as, as better than anybody. If somebody is just starting in their coaching career, and it's day one and they you know, want to share something with me, I'm going to be all ears because I'm probably going to hear a perspective that I didn't think of before and there's, there's going to be an opportunity. And I think that that ties into number two, which is something that most people need to practice, which is active listening. Uh, I think oftentimes we are ready to jump in with our response and we've got it like queued up. And when you're doing that, you're, you've shut off your ability to actually listen and digest the information that's coming at you when you're just ready to, to spit out a response or like you hear something and you get so amped up because you want to jump in and you're like, oh, I got the perfect rebuttal or response or whatever it is. Uh, you're not actually listening and taking in that perspective or challenging your current beliefs. So you may, uh, it may trigger something in you that's like, no, I don't agree with that. And you're ready to pounce. But if you took a step back and thought and like, let me hear this perspective, let it actually sink in and digest it and 
maybe challenge my own thoughts. Um, I think that is part of, of being coachable is, is really practicing listening um, and, and active listening to then start to challenge some of those limiting beliefs that you might have or just some of your own thoughts and perspectives that uh, maybe hearing it from, from a different point of view opens up something uh, and just being able to, to absorb that and being able to apply it to yourself, it can take you down a path that you didn't even think possible. So those are really the two things that come to mind right off the bat when you say coachability. It's really like that growth mindset and like never ending pursuit of, of becoming better and knowing that we're never going to be a finished product and then being more intentional about active listening. Yeah, both, uh, both great answers. And I say great answers because in my opinion, those aren't answers that are just something that a coach looks to hold themselves to when hiring another coach. I think it's anyone who's hiring a coach. That is, those are two principles that definitely lead to uh, creating that that characteristics that characteristic of being coachable. Uh, I, you and I will never ever disagree that a growth mindset is. Uh, super key just with anything in life. And then I think uh, your point also about active listening is so, so spot on. Uh, But I think, again, that goes back to, you know, what true coaching is and what true individualization is really all about, you know, and it's, um, I, I think that sometimes people may be surprised to feel, to understand that great coaches understand that coaching is truly a two way street. Um, there's a reason that a coach is called a coach, not necessarily always called a director. There are times where, in my opinion, you have to shift in between different roles, but overall there should be some sort of a two-way street. You should feel like you can give your coach some feedback and your coach can also give you feedback. But if, if neither party is actually listening to try to kind of understand where the other person is coming from, then it just, it prolongs that process so much, so much more. And I think back to your point also with when you're looking to hire a coach, the value is in being able to offload some of that time and some of that energy or be not offload, but be able to value more of your time and your energy. So by being all in with a growth mindset, by being all in with really actively listening, uh, then it just helps move further down that road in a more effective manner. So I really, I really like that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think the, the time collapse, like you talked about, it's, it's more of an efficient process. Uh, it does, um, you know the the mental energy that you're able to save, and then and then the value because again, it's when you're actively listening and you're actively communicating, you're going to learn so much. You're going to take so much away from that process. Uh, with you know, in the coaching style that I believe in, which like you talked about, it's that two way street. It's you know back and forth communication and hearing both sides. Uh, there's always going to be something to to learn from that and take away and it's it's going to just make you a better person overall. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh I can't say thank you enough for taking the time to uh pop in here and have this conversation. Uh you're perfect subject to use for this particular topic uh, on why coaches need coaches and again as I kind of just mentioned um with that last response, I think when you look out big picture what many people will be able to realize is that when you or I are looking for a coach, it's not that much different 
than what anyone should be looking for in a coach. We brought up the topics of relatability. No matter who you are or what your experience level is, where you're coming from, what you would like to accomplish, uh, in order to be effective, there should be some sort of relatability factor. Even if you're working with a coach, you know, Mike has mentioned, you know, you mentioned that your approach, uh, you know that maybe a 100% technical approach is not the best for you and your personality type. But even if you are working with a coach who's very technical or you're, you know, from a neurotype standpoint, say you're somebody who's more of a type through who really does love like that structure for long-term, like that sort of a thing, there still has to be some sort of relatability. There has to be a connection uh, so that you've got another set of eyes who's able to make those adjustments for you and still do it in a structured way if you're somebody who likes structure. So to your point, like a lot of this stuff is stuff that everybody should be looking for. So if there was anybody out there who felt like, man, coaches just aren't human because they're just, you know, they just know exactly what to do. I apologize that we may have just completely blown up your spot with this conversation. (laughs) So uh, with that being said, I do want to give you an opportunity. Uh, You put out a lot of free content. You put out a ton of different resources. We've got calls, like all sorts of stuff. Can you take a minute and uh, just kind of let people know if they'd like to connect with you after this, some of the avenues that they can do that? Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. Um, So on Instagram, I'm at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. Um, and the best place for free content would be in our Facebook group, which um, totally free to join. You can just search the personality diet and neurotype training on Facebook and join our group. Um, we, I believe, put out more free value than anybody else out there. Um, actually, timely post today from uh, Kristen who mentioned that she's you know, achieved more just consuming the free stuff than she has in previous coaching programs that were actually paid for, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we do our daily intention calls, which we do two per day, which are free. Um, we do our Monday live training every week, uh, which we just do a different topic. This week was on hormones and calories. Um, you know, we're, we just, Put out as much as we possibly can. We we give away recipe books and you know all sorts of tips and nutrition advice, whatever we, we can to to help people along. Um, really, it's just uh, the community that is like the bread and butter of everything that we do. Uh, it's a it's an incredibly supportive community and uh, something that I find personal value out of, and you know selfishly take a lot uh, away from that because hearing people's perspectives and again going back to like what we've been talking about and just that that act of listening and learning and the growth mindset, um, I am inspired and learn a lot more from. Uh, the individuals in the community, even though you know they look to me as like the the owner of the the business, I don't see it that way. I look at myself as just another participant. So um, it's a pretty cool space or community. If you if you uh, want to join us, that's the best place to do it. Yeah, and then I'll uh, I'll also add uh, Mike's podcast, Mind Over Macros, uh, fantastic resource too. How many episodes deep are you now? You're over a hundred now. Yeah, we're closing in on 120 at this point. Man, okay, yeah. So 100 and 120 episodes, Steve, so you can find that podcast. And then also, um, I'll give a unsolicited plug for the Personality Diet Book too. Uh, a lot of the concepts that we've talked about 
today uh, from a behavioral standpoint are right in there if you like things in more um, written form and there's some anecdotes and some other stuff in there too. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, like full disclosure, I get $0 off of any of that stuff. It's just all about um, sometimes I'll get messages with, hey, how did you get to this point? Or how did you learn this? Or how did you learn that? Well, this conversation is pretty indicative of a lot of the interactions that we have within uh, within our group. And uh, that's where a lot of this stuff comes from and a lot of my perspective. So I uh, definitely appreciate the resources that you've been putting out there. So uh, anything else that I may have forgotten to mention or whatnot. We're not going to talk about upper body versus lower body workouts. I'm going to leave you alone on that. Right, but, uh, <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, yesterday was leg day, if you want to know. And uh, today was more of a back and biceps day, not surprisingly, but uh, yeah, we're, we're getting the legs in. <laughs> I, I, I had to do it. I did I did leg day yesterday and my glutes have not been this uh, this engaged in a while. So I might, need to, I might need to chill for a little bit. But anyways, all right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you later. 